It's one thing to have a pretty website. But do you know how to have a pretty website that works? Ensuring your website provides a good user experience is so important, it's an entire job for people like lead UX UI designer, Reese Rothman. Who just so happens to be here today to share her top tips. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Reese. Thanks for having me. I feel like if you've jumped on LinkedIn or Seek, even Facebook at the moment, you have seen the terms UX and UI pop up somewhere. And it's probably user experience is probably one of the big trending topics in every type of marketing community at the moment in design in SEO, like it's important for everything at the moment. But unless you're actually in those worlds, you're probably a bit confused about what it actually has to do with making you a better website. So Reese, can you please tell us a little bit about what you do as a UX UI designer and the sort of experience you've had to build to actually do what you do? Obviously, the most important distinction between UX and just normal design is the fact that critical thinking is at the forefront of your designs. Always thinking what's the purpose of the design, what's the user's expectation and what are you trying to convey. So really it's combining design with the psychology of users using technology. Yeah, just making it a good and easy experience for them. So if we break down what a UX UI designer actually does, what does this actually mean? As a UX UI designer, obviously there's different types of scenarios where you would be designing. So firstly, you have client jobs where you would be typically designing a website for a client. And in that regard, you would look at the target audience, you'd look at the market and you would look at what they're trying to achieve with their website, what type of call to actions. And then the second type of design is product design. And that is more when, that's kind of more like corporate. Let's say you have a product, like let's say Stripe or a payment software And then you'll just be thinking about everything to do with finances. But when it's like with a client, it's a little bit different because it's like a totally different target audience. The most important thing is to have that distinction between designing for a purpose, which is number one, and always the most important, like that always trumps design. So if something can look as pretty as possible, but if it doesn't have a purpose, no good. So that's the most important thing. And then the second thing is... Yeah, just understanding like the how, the why and what, like why are you designing this and what is the like end result that you're trying to achieve? I think something people aren't aware of when it comes to user experience design is it involves the designer and the developers working together. But if there's a content person, them jumping in and getting involved. So it's not no longer like a traditional workflow of, okay, so the designer does this the writer then goes in and does this and then the developer does this. It's kind of everyone has to communicate to make sure the end result for the user actually makes sense because everyone's got that different experience. Um, Mm. Do you find that is something that's a little bit more challenging than just a straight normal designer without that user experience background? Um, So, yes, definitely, because there's a lot of limitations when it comes to designing for IT. Obviously, you have to think of not only responsive web and mobile, but obviously like an app works totally different to, you know, a website and also working with developers. It gives you that technical insight that as a normal designer, you probably might not 
um, experience and also working for different industries because now with design or UX and UI specifically, you can work in any industry and you have to not only understand the design behind that, but you also have to understand like the industry's needs. So for instance, if you're designing a software or an app for a finance company, you have to know what the finance company's goals are and what their users' goals are. So yeah, it's once again, just combining that critical thinking psychology with your designs. Yeah, I wanted to mention with that, that's also important because understanding or working with content and understanding like what they try to convey, you can't just like put put text in there and make it look pretty. Once again, you have to like understand the flow of how they're thinking and what they're trying to say and how you are visually interpreting that. Okay, so physical buildings, they obviously need ramps and lifts and everything like that to be inclusive for the general public. But a website needs that sort of stuff as well, right? Uh, I know there's um, so things like the World Wide Web Consortium, which is actual regulations and best practices in place for ensuring you have an inclusive website. But what do website owners need to be looking at to ensure their website can be easily used by people with visual and other impairments? You know, the psychology behind a user sitting and using something, it's all to do with where your eye goes, what stands out, what doesn't stand out. You're, not, you're just simply not going to click on it if, it if it isn't the right colour or size or you're missing it. You know, and yeah, having those really clean visual cues for users to guide them and then, you know, for someone that's, let's say, colourblind, I've actually saw the other day there's this new... Um, It's not a widget really, but it's something you can um, load up onto your website and you click it and then it will turn the whole website into like a monochrome website for them. And so it will, it'll take the colors and it will, yeah, change it into the different grays and blacks. So it's easy for them to know and everything isn't just sort of being like a flat color, a good thing to think about. I don't think a lot of people do actually think about that, but yeah, general rule of thumb, you know, colors, um, having that good contrast on your website in terms of color usage, because that alone will help people. Sizing can't be too small. And yeah, another another thing to consider, which is also very useful, is tooltips. Nowadays, you know, you really want to think about intuitive design. You want to guide the user. You do not want them to try, look for something or get frustrated. And there's so many cool little UI tips and tricks and animations and dev work that they can do behind the scenes to really inform a user of what experience you're expecting them to have on their products as well. And then another thing is consistency, obviously comparing what other websites are doing, you know, like the big guys like Facebook, Google, and you don't have to redesign the wheel every time. You can just steal a few tips there, (laughs) change it a little bit or, you know. There's no harm in looking at what your competitors are doing, is there? Exactly, (laughs) no. Speaking of all these considerations for people building websites, what are some of the top accessibility issues that you see on websites? Oh, colour usage is probably number one. Uh, Less is more and making sure that whatever you want the user to do needs to be prominent. It shouldn't have all these competing elements too much movement, so much sensory overload when it comes to websites nowadays. Contrast is a super interesting point because I know personally I've seen, let's say, a lime green website and they've got white font over the top and I've found it really tricky to read 
And I've reached out to the business owner or we've been in conversation or whatever. And I've mentioned, I can't read it, but they absolutely love it, which comes down to a really important step in the UX process, which is user testing. Can you tell us a little bit about this? So there's two ways of doing this, which is what we use (laughs) in-house. First of all, creating your user personas. So really and this, you can really call it target audience, who you think is going to use this product or website and what you want them to find. And then kind of put yourself in their shoes and how, you know, what, what, you, what you think they would expect to find. Um, and then there's another way where you actually physically create something. You can either do the A-B testing, which is an easy way um, without using too many resources, or you can physically get a pilot group or you a group of user testers and you can present your product to them and see how they interact with it, take notes from that and then adapt your product accordingly. At the end of the day, I still have a bias, you know, like Mm -hmm. when I'm designing, I know what I like and what works for me and how my mind thinks. But when I put my, some of my designs in front of other users and I can see how they work with it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) think of that. Or why do they find that so hard? I think that's such an important tip for business owners in remembering that what you're producing, whether it's your website or if you're producing an app or graphic design materials, it needs to resonate with your audience, not necessarily you, because yes, you're the one providing the product, but what resonates with them and gets them engaged with that could be something completely different. And it's important to kind of take that back seat to having your heart set on something just because you like it or whether it's actually going against what you actually want to do. So that is a great thing to keep in mind that you mentioned. So we've spoken today about a lot of common mistakes and errors that you see on websites from a UX perspective, but what is one that really sticks out to you? What is one of the most common mistakes you see business owners making on websites they've designed themselves? The number one thing that I normally find with websites that aren't effective is they want to put so much information on there, but they're not actually thinking like what the user is trying to find. It's like, oh, I just want to put everything on there and show them. But they're not really thinking about, okay, now I've informed the user of this service or this product. What do I actually, what action do I want them to take? And I think that's probably the number one thing, like CTAs, call to action buttons, are misused or not used at all. People try sometimes to be too unique. You know, it's like, I don't want my website's buttons to look like this because everyone's buttons look like this. There's a reason why everyone's buttons look like that. Exactly. Yeah. You have to just consider there's like a difference between being unique and creating something that the user wouldn't really necessarily know how to interact with. Remembering the why are you doing something? Yeah. What (laughs) purpose are you trying to achieve? Your website's online because you want someone to go on there, look at your your projects and call you and book in a consult. Okay, well, Reese, thank you so much for joining us today. If you do have any questions for Reese, you can probably reach out to her over on her LinkedIn profile. Or you can also shoot Katrina and I a question over at the Help Me Grow My Business podcast, Instagram or Facebook. I think that's everything we have time for today. Thank you, Reese. All good. Thanks, lovely ladies. This podcast is brought to you by Local Search, one of Australia's leading full suite digital marketing services. They help more than 28,000 Australian businesses 
making everything from building a website and SEO to Google Ads, social ads and more easy, effective and affordable. Go and check out their more than 400 online reviews. And while this podcast will give you the basics, if you do need a hand, visit business.localsearch.com.au. While we have you, we respectfully acknowledge the Yukonbeh people, the traditional owners of the land in which we record on, and pay our respects to their elders past and present.